I, I realized I, I felt kind of I had this imposter syndrome because while I was doing these, trying to do these, incorporate five positive habits, I was ignoring this one sort of nasty, negative, bad habit that I felt was unbreakable. And that was my own daily drinking habit. Welcome to Zestful Aging, where I interview inspiring and influential guests who are making their mark on the world and contributing to the greater good. Making your mark, big or small, is creating a legacy, and it's one of the proven ways we can age with energy and joy. Zestful Aging Podcast is my legacy. I'm your host, Nicole Christina, psychotherapist and fellow Zestful Ager. Our music is courtesy of Judy Banker. Find out more at judybanker.com. And to find out more about this podcast, my web courses and other offerings, hop on over to zestfulaging.com. And while you're there, sign up for my monthly email newsletter, The Zest, where you'll get behind the scenes looks at my interviews and other fun tidbits. Spring has definitely sprung and I'm seeing little purple crocuses popping up in my neighborhood. And to celebrate the season, I'm taking $20 off of my popular Zestful Aging web course. You will learn the tried and true ways to add zest and vitality to your life. And it comes with a booklet I made just for the course. It's all based on science and my 30 years as a psychotherapist. So Hop on over to ZestfulAging.com for more information and use the code SPRING2021. You will get $20 off the course and it is going to be a great way to start the season. Now back to the show. Well, I've got my little loyal Jack Russell Sparky right by my side. And if we uh, reach uh, freezing today in Syracuse, I will take him for a walk in the snow. Uh, We have a really great interview for you today. It is super timely. Uh, Since the pandemic, alcohol use is up significantly. No surprise there. Uh, One expert observed that even during the lockdown in the U.S., liquor stores remained open. Why? The emergency rooms were too busy dealing with COVID to also deal with people with alcohol withdrawal. The fear that that would cause its own medical crisis. Today, we're speaking with Molly Watts, the host and founder of Breaking the Bottle Legacy Project, which is dedicated to helping habit drinkers and adult children of alcoholics create a more peaceful relationship with alcohol. Welcome to the program, Molly. Hey, thanks so much for having me, Nicole. I um, was listening to you talk about legacy and realizing that um, in this instance, uh, a legacy for me uh, is very different and not necessarily the good kind. So I appreciate you uh, taking the time to, to talk with me about this. Absolutely. I think it is so relevant. But, you know, we're going to do a little, to use an overused word, pivot before we start talking about alcohol and before we got on the uh, 
the mic, you told me about an incident that I think it would be really helpful for our people to know about and, and to share as a public service yeah. announcement. You had a horrible situation happen with your with your dad yesterday, a scam. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about it to warn our listeners how sophisticated these scams have become? Yeah, it was really, really frightening. Um, my dad is 93 and um, still lives independently, uh, is very vital, golfs three times a week. He's he's really, for a 93-year-old, what I would consider to be very on it. Um, but he got involved. They He, scarily enough, doesn't really remember how they connected with him first, but um, they these scammers got remote access to his desktop. They were texting him, calling him, and had convinced him that they had mistakenly given him $15,000 and they wanted him to give it back by transferring it to a bank in Thailand. So um, luckily, um, he has a very good relationship with his local bank here. They know him, they know me, they called me, they would not do it. But even with me there talking to him and then ultimately calling the phone number and talking to the scam artist myself, he wasn't he he it took him a while to really believe me that it was not true and you know mm. that i'm the one that was there to protect him and that he you know this man was not someone that was trying to help him so it was really eye-opening you know my dad is a former superintendent of schools a very educated man and mm-hmm. to watch this um unfold was uh scary and and the level of sophistication um and the access that they had was very, very frightening. Oh my goodness. It really is something we have to look out for. Yeah. A friend of mine, as I mentioned, had kind of roughly a similar situation where uh, somebody said that they were um, the daughter that called my friend's dad and um, said that uh, your granddaughter needs money. Yeah. She doesn't want to tell her mom, mm-hmm. um, and can you go ahead and wire this money? Again, a very sophisticated businessman. You know, he is not uh, e- easy to, to fool. And um, it was so sophisticated. Uh, they had someone posing as an FBI agent and different yeah. phone numbers, uh, and they answered the phone, FBI. I mean, it was so sophisticated that uh, just like in your situation, he started the process of wiring the money. Yeah, and what's really amazing to me is that, as I mentioned, I called this man, this scam artist, was on the phone. I was absolutely incensed. Mm. And his confidence coming back at me, telling me that I was wrong, that mm. I didn't know what I was talking about, that I was greedy, that I was trying to keep something that was hit. It was mm. amazing. Wow. <laughs> it, wow. Amazing in the very worst possible way. So wow. um, yeah, so wow. definitely for all of your listeners who have adult older parents who are still living, this age of the internet has made things so dangerous for them. And um, you just have to really be be careful and be protective of them. Thank you so much for sharing that, Molly. Yeah. And I, I know you're still shaken up. Um, and um, it's it just, it's, you know, we don't think about going through our day like there are these, the bad actors and they're smart and they're ruthless. We don't, yes. you know, we just do our thing and we yeah. go along um, and, and we don't 
I think realize that there's a there's a lot of underground stuff happening that we would just be horrified to yeah. hear. Um, so, well, let's let's go ahead and shift gears. You have undertaken a new project. We mm-hmm. talked. Oh, I'm going to say one or two years ago about uh, aging, Mm because you and I share the same space about uh, really promoting healthy aging, understanding what healthy aging looks like. We had a lovely conversation. Um, And now you've undertaken yet another project, which seems to me to be quite massive and involved and and personal. Can you talk a little bit about Breaking the Bottle Legacy and what it is that you would like to accomplish? Absolutely. So when we spoke uh, probably two years ago now, um, my podcast, Live Happier Longer, and the company behind it, Five for Life, was really inspired by my dad and watching my dad um, live this long life and live it with optimism and live it so successfully. And my purpose was really to help people just like you to to be able to have that longer, happier life and, and realizing that to do so, they actually needed to take actions and, and create habits. And so that was you know, I, it was inspired by watching him and wanting to have that lifestyle that, you know, have that life that he's had. It was also inspired by wanting to avoid aging like my mom. Mm. And my mom had passed away at the age of 81 after 25 years of kind of slow and steady decline. But what I really didn't talk about much on that podcast and sort of wanted to ignore or just at least not address was the fact that she died of an alcoholic binge. Mm. And so in the whole process of doing five for life and really trying to create these positive habits in my life, which, you know, was important to me along around the end of 2018, beginning of 2019, I I realized I, I felt kind of, I had this imposter syndrome because while I was doing these, trying to do these incorporate five positive habits, I was ignoring this one sort of nasty, negative, bad habit that I felt was unbreakable. And that was my own daily drinking habit. And um, so along about the beginnings of 2019, I started to really focus my energy on uh, changing that habit and uh, figured out the self-coaching model, understood how I was fueling my own desire, how I was using alcohol to try to numb away negative emotions Mm -hmm. and, um, really started working on it with, uh, using the, using my own mind to create better thoughts and change my thinking about alcohol, got very educated on the science of alcohol and understanding exactly what happens in the brain, both Mm -hmm. when you drink a acutely and then over time and all of it sort of resonated and culminated in you know this idea that while everything I read was and learned certainly helped me as just a habit drinker there isn't a lot of information or a lot of support for people that grew up in an alcoholic home and now find themselves drinking more than they want to. I wow. never, I never aligned or saw myself, you know, I, I defined alcoholism by the way that my mother was with me. And mm-hmm. so I knew I wasn't like that. So therefore I wasn't, you know, I would have never gone to, to seek help from AA or anything like that. But the bottom line is I wasn't 
I had a lot of anxiety and I just sort of accepted that anxiety as the logical outcome of growing up in an alcoholic home and having a, a daily drinking habit. Um, so anyway, that's where it all kind of started. And then uh, this year during the pandemic, I just, I've even, you know, I've taken that study and that that relationship even further and really come to a place where I no longer am worried about alcohol. I no longer drink on a daily basis. I no longer feel like I need to use alcohol to numb away emotions. And I certainly don't worry about whether or not I'm going to become my mother. And so I wanted to share that information. And I just know that there are people out there like myself who have, who, who think they are handling their alcohol, but they, in the back of their minds, they just kind of have worry about this daily drinking habit and know that it's probably not what they want to be doing. It's not good for them. And also for fellow adult children of alcoholics who I know, um, find it difficult to find that peaceful relationship. Wow. <laughs> a lot to unpack. Yeah. Um, I'm curious because it sounds like this has been going on for a big chunk of your adulthood that yeah. you were drinking every day. And, <laughs> you know, you we do things unconsciously and yeah. some are better. Some things are better than others. Yeah. What 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 kind of pushed you over to say, wait a minute, I think something more is going on here and I think it's time to take a, a hard look at it? I think it was really, like I said, more so this just all of the the enlightenment and learning that I had done through Five for Life and learning about habit change and learning about how to create better habits mm-hmm. made me <laughs> assess or <laughs> made me, you know, be able to open my eyes and look and actually come to the conclusion that potentially this habit of mine wasn't because I had some genetic over desire to drink Mm -hmm. wasn't because I was a child of an alcoholic and it was just the natural outcome it wasn't that these stories that I'd held on to for so long and these ideas that I continuously fed that into my brain they were fueling the habit and by simply changing those thoughts and creating different ones I could change the habit so it was understanding or really believing that I could do it or there was hope that I could do it and then working on it like I said it it wasn't it wasn't a fast process uh, because I had a lot of a lot of years of uh, not only habit but a lot of years growing up and and stories that I had told myself about alcohol in the past that needed to be changed as well so what does that look like you have this aha moment and you say you know what I am doing this podcast all about health. (laughs) I know a lot about health. I know what I want my older years to look like, like my dad. I know what I want them not to look like. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden you kind of have this light bulb go off. Oops, this, this needs to be addressed. What do the first few days and weeks look like after your eyes are open to this habit? Yeah. So it was, There's two things in tandem. So first of all, learning and mastering this meta skill of managing your mind and creating the and and practicing thinking new thoughts, being able to look and see the thoughts that are creating these negative emotions and Mm -hmm. questioning them 
questioning the thoughts, not just accepting them as Mm -hmm. true, not just believing them. So that whole practice of taking on, you know, learning that, that skill of recognizing the thoughts that lead to the feelings that create the actions that get the results that I have in my life, that was happening on one side. On the other side, I was focused on, first of all, creating a plan, a drink plan. And I literally started (laughs) not um, trying to reduce the amount of alcohol I was drinking, but simply planning it ahead of time with my logical thinking adult brain, quote unquote, Mm. Mm -hmm. so that I knew that the, that I, what I was doing was something that was based in a future and a forward thinking brain, as opposed to that primitive brain that's impulsive and looks for, to -hmm. relieve pain and seeks reward and seeks pleasure. So first of all, it was just creating a plan and following the plan. Eventually that turned into reducing those number of drinks over each day. Then it included adding in alcohol-free days. Then it added in alcohol-free breaks. And like right now it's dryuary, it's January. And for the first time in my life, I'm taking a 31 day break. Not the first time, first time since I've been pregnant, Mm -hmm. which was over 20 years ago. (laughs) So um, first time that I'm taking a 31 day break from alcohol altogether. And, you know, if you would have told me two years ago uh, to try dryuary, I would have said, no, can, no, can, thank you. Yeah. No, can (laughs) for me. Yeah. No, can do not gonna, you know, there's not going to be, I'm not, I can't do that. And um, it's been really relatively very easy. I got to tell you that whole episode last night with my dad yesterday did Uh, test me, did strain mm -hmm. my, um, I definitely had a, you know, a couple of thoughts of oh, I'd love to have a glass of wine or I'd love to have a beer. And then I just, you know, I looked at that thought and said, well, that's, you know, that's, it doesn't solve the problem. It's actually not going to make sure that he doesn't do this again. That's not going to help what, what will and just redirected. Hey, lovely listeners, I have something really special to share with you. I recently interviewed Dr. Elise Bailu, who is the founder of Mindfulness in May. Every May, thousands of people worldwide join the program featuring the world's best experts and build mental resilience through committing to 10 minutes of meditation per day, while also raising funds to address the world's most urgent global issues. Over the last eight years, Mindful in May has taught over 40,000 people to meditate while raising $800,000 to bring clean, safe drinking water to the developing world. Well, I'm going to give out five free registrations for Mindful in May to the listeners of Zestful Aging who write the most descriptive and original five-star review of Zestful Aging on whatever platform you use to listen. And after you rate the show, please copy and paste your review and send it to me at ZestfulAging.com with instructions on how to contact you. The contest ends April 30th, and I'll be joining the program in May, and I can't wait. And please check out mindfulinmay.org. It's really special. Look for Elise Bailu's episode coming soon. Now, back to the show. 
So, you know, you're really in my wheelhouse now. You might remember <laughs> that I specialize in, in food and eating yeah. issues. And and so a lot of this sounds very similar oh, to yeah. people who numb their feelings by either overeating or restricting or doing all kinds of funky things with exercise and all of this. And so one of the things that I do with my clients is, okay, so if you're not going to binge or you're not going to purge or you're not going to go to the gym compulsively what's going to help you with your feelings because the feelings aren't going to disappear just because you stop you know medicating them right Um, so now so now what's left you know you find yourself without it's almost like a little blankie right it's like your little friend you can rely on Um, so what do you do now that you've relied on that um, whatever it is, glass of wine, mm-hmm. and 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 it it does help. It just has consequences, right? So, what do you replace it with? Yeah, so that's a great point. So, one of the things that is very interesting about alcohol and about the science of alcohol, and you're absolutely right that it very much aligns with binge eating or other any other thing that we do to you know people compulsively gamble they overshot you know there's the, yeah exactly. exactly anything that people are using to uh, numb away emotion but with mm-hmm. alcohol specifically what's very interesting about the science of alcohol and the chemistry of alcohol and it's one of the things that has helped me change that habit is that there is it is a depressant right mm-hmm. and so in very small amounts you get that it, it, and at very low levels, you get a positive experience in terms of that's where we get that first drink. It gets that, you know, a relaxing feeling and it numbs mm. away, right? But mm. the problem is, is that it's altering your brain chemistry. And with every, whatever goes down must come back up, right? And so with alcohol specifically, when you start to, when alcohol starts to dissipate from your system, you get a reflex active in your neurotransmitters of anxiety actually increasing afterwards. Mm, So we would call that a rebound effect. Right, exactly. And so Mm -hmm. that's the, so the, the, the knowledge of that has helped me, right? Because when I tell myself, oh, this glass of wine, and if I, if it's just one glass, that rebound effect is going to be almost imperceptible. So one Mm. glass is probably just is okay right you're not going to notice too much the problem is is that it also alcohol also releases dopamine in the brain and so when you drink it you have this desire to want to drink another one that's you know one of the hazards of it i see because it's reinforcing it's like that felt good i want more exactly exactly so Mm. it does um it does require that's why i think you know planning ahead is one of the the best tools um but uh, like I said, the just the simple knowledge for me was very transformative and understanding that it doesn't it, it what the temporary soothing effect that I feel is very temporary and fleeting and to actually solve and help a feeling change, I need to change my thoughts. So while I could focus on the, you know, the stress and the the terror of this episode with my father, what's going to help me feel differently is focusing on the solutions and what I can do to help him and being grateful that 
the people at the bank were so reactive and so mm-hmm. protective. Mm-hmm. And so, yes. you know what I mean? It's a matter, it's a, it's a matter of managing my thoughts, managing mm-hmm. my mind so that I'm not spinning around and ruminating on the things that are going to make me feel worse and realizing that I have the power to do that. I have the capacity to change my brain's direction. And that's, that's beautiful. Yeah. So that's really, I'm curious because of what we both uh, know about aging and, and, and wisdom, some might call it. Do you think that this realization for you could have come in your 20s or 30s? Or is this something that really had to come now as a woman with some experience under her belt with some, you know, some life lessons and some clarity that only really comes with age? You know, that's a great question. (laughs) That's a great question, Nicole. I really wish that I had understood this process much earlier in my life. Um, I feel like people can learn this uh, skill of, like I said, it is a meta skill because much like you with, with, with um, binge eating, it's the same kind of approach, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, not focusing on the action of drinking, not focusing on the action, just stopping it, you know, willpowering it, clenching your fists, but backing up to the thoughts and the feelings that are leading you to do it. And so... I do believe that had I understood it, I, it's one of the things that I think is something we should be focusing more in in school is teaching kids and teaching people that they have the power to mm-hmm. manage their brains. And it really is um, how you change your life. It's how you sculpt your life, you know, and just like we've talked about aging with optimism, it really comes ba- down to where you're going to put your area of emphasis in your focus, how you're going to perceive the world. And you can either um, choose to, to focus on the sides that are negative, or you can choose to focus on the positive sides of aging and how you, how you do that um, is everything. Mm-hmm. With, mm-hmm. with any of all of this, and one of the reasons that working on your health and your your habits and moving and continuing to learn is whenever you're not at your you know at your physical best it is challenging to manage your mind i mean it becomes more and more challenging right so there are small things that you can do every day that's where the healthy habits of making sure you're getting enough exercise making sure you're seeing people and and keeping yourself um health as healthy as possible in that Mm. respect is going to help you be a better mind manager it's just (laughs) simply that you know it's that easy it seems to me that understanding undertaking this massive transformation in your life would have a ripple effect um, in your relationships, in your family, in, in maybe even your work. Have you noticed different kinds of changes that you didn't expect by, by addressing your drinking? Um, 100%. I, because again, if you would have asked people around me, no one would have said, oh, you know, they would have never known or thought that I had a problem with alcohol because I, it's not like I got 
um, altered or intoxicated. I was a pretty, you know, I just drank three to four drinks every night, you know, and the, the fact of the matter is that while the changes externally may not have might may not be as noticeable to people what's changed internally for me um and definitely just in terms of my overall communication my relationships my time my own personal joy to you know joy of living has increased exponentially mm-hmm it's so interesting. One of the one of the descriptions that I use sometimes with um, disordered eating um, and over exercising, it's like it's it feels like it's your best friend, but it's a backstabbing friend. So you think it's going to be like helpful? It feels helpful, and in some senses, it is helpful. But the help lasts for about twenty minutes, at least in terms of uh, some of the food and eating behaviors, and then you're left with consequences and more problems than you started with. But that's what it, it sounds like. You know, it, it it wasn't a huge glaring problem, but it was enough of a problem that it was stealing joy from your life and really distracting you mm-hmm. from um, maybe communicating more clearly or maybe feeling closer to the people in your world. Yeah. And I think that that's one of the issues with, with alcohol that is unclear to people is, you know, how much is good for you? How much is bad for you? And we get a lot of mixed messages. And so a lot of people who are, who are drinking a few drinks a night don't think there is a problem. They don't, um, understand some of the physical side effects that it's probably having on them. Um, lack of sleep, sleep deprivation is huge. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. fatty liver disease, um, things that are and just liver function in general. Um, your skin dries out. And like I said, this level of anxiety that they've probably just associate, they just think is normal. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, definitely for alcohol, I don't know that I ever thought of it as like a friend because I kind of unconscious, I mean, I kind of, like I said, worried about it all the time, kind of knew in my heart of hearts that it wasn't, that what I was doing wasn't healthy. (laughs) I see. I see. Yeah. But at the same time felt completely at, you know, unable to change it. Um, Just Mm -hmm. didn't think I could, just didn't, you know, just couldn't imagine a life where I wasn't drinking all the time or it wasn't, you know, just where a normal, where having a glass of wine or a beer at night wasn't a part of it. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I'm still not, I'm not, you know, this is not my, my podcast is not a recovery podcast. It's not about addiction and it is not for people who are physically dependent on alcohol, but it's also not for sobriety. I am not completely alcohol free, but I do. And I do believe that people need to make mindful decisions about alcohol mm-hmm. and when That's you the word that yeah. came to mind yeah when you create when you do that I don't find it being you know there's some there's some uh sobriety podcasts or alcohol free podcasts that that kind of make it sound as though that's that making having to make decisions around alcohol all the time creates decision fatigue and I find it to be absolutely the opposite I believe that I feel empowered I don't need to worry I don't need to I know the science I understand what's going on and I am completely at ease with wanting to plan and enjoy 
a glass of wine with a great steak dinner. And that is just mm. totally fine. And it is mm-hmm. 100% fine for me. And I, and so that's really what, um, you know, but I also want to make sure that I'm not using it. I don't use it on a daily basis. I don't want to, uh, again, use it to try to numb away negative emotions. And so it's, you know, it isn't, it isn't uh, taxing for me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's empowering. Mm-hmm. That's so interesting. And I love the way that you talk about it in a non-pathologizing way. It's a bad habit. It's a habit that's not useful. It's not healthy. Um, so how can you use your wise mind to to tinker with it and to be in charge? And it's just a very sort of almost matter of fact, like, yep, this is how it goes. This is what it's like, but not like, oh, you know, it, you're so bad and you've slipped and you know um and and there I don't hear any shame no well there's a lot of a lot of um rhetoric about alcohol use um and especially you know the the leading um recovery tenets of that have been around forever with AA you know kind of lead people to believe that you're either in control of alcohol or you are not and you are sick broken um, you know, all of these types of Power, powerless, which exactly. doesn't really fit for many women. No, they don't No, They're not really into that. Never fit for my mother. You know, my mom was, uh, like I said, my mom was, uh, went to rehab four different times. She lived to be 81. Um, and obviously never, uh, she, she, she could never, um, buy into the tenant that she was powerless and it never resonated with her and she never was successful in changing her habits. I mean, changing her, her dependence. Um, yeah, it's, it's not something that has, that has resonated for me. Never, you know, never the idea that I was powerless over it didn't sit well. Um, and I also, the idea that I never could drink again has never resonated with me. So I, you know, I didn't want to approach it from that direction. So Breaking the Bottle Legacy Project has a lot of different arms. So you have a book, a podcast. Tell tell us a little bit more about your offerings. Well, I'm in the process of finishing my book. So I uh, the the launch date uh, is supposed to be May this in May of 21, uh, where it will go on Amazon um, and Kindle Direct. And so that's what what's happening with the book. Um, mm-hmm. I do have the Breaking the Bottle Legacy podcast and would love people to find us and subscribe and uh, join me there. I also have Breaking the Bottle Legacy uh, at group on Facebook. And mm-hmm. so it is all about uh, changing your relationship with alcohol and creating this new peaceful relationship, no matter what that looks like. No, no, um, you know, no hard set rules, no no ultimatums, um, but just, um, some, no rigidity, no, some support and trying and education, I hope to help people understand. I, uh, on my website, which is www.mollywatts.com, um, people can go and grab a free report that is alcohol truths, how much is safe and Ah. really talks about addressing the three areas of health that I think are important, the physical, social health, and financial health. So, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, boy, that's a lot 
um, to offer. And I'm guessing you're on social as well. And do you have a, a Facebook handle? Just Facebook page is Breaking the Bottle Legacy. So, yep. Mm-hmm. You, and and I'm Molly Watts author. You can look for me there as well. So, okay. Yeah. Great. Molly, I am so glad that we got a chance to talk today. I really admire your courage of coming out and saying, okay, it's one thing to be behind the mic and talk about health, but it's another thing to say, listen, um, I've been dealing with something and it's been really hard. And, um, you know, that requires a whole different level of honesty and vulnerability. So I really appreciate that. Thank you, Nicole. It's actually, like I said, it's, it's a joy. It's, um, I think for, for myself, it feels like probably this was my the true purpose of my life that I just wanted to ignore because I didn't want to have to tackle it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, you know, as with all things that are challenging when you are able to do it and show yourself um, that you can, uh, hopefully that enables you to help more people. And that's what my goal is for sure. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Hey, everyone. I wanted to tell you about a powerful new tool that supports your mental and emotional health in what are extremely trying times. And you may remember that I've been a psychotherapist for 30 years, and I'm always a little suspicious of products that claim to help us feel less anxious, depressed, or worried. But then I was introduced to a new kind of app called Cope Notes, and I have become a big fan. Cope Notes was developed by a guy who spent a lot of his life trying to figure out what might help support him through his own weekly psychotherapy sessions. Cope Notes is an app that gives you random texts through the day to break through some of the negative messages that might be repeating in your head. It's well-researched and has been adopted by many mental health facilities. I highly recommend it. I think we can all use a little support right now. So check out Cope Notes dot com forward slash zestful. I will receive a small portion of those proceeds. Um, And I'd love to hear your feedback about how it works for you. Thank you so much for joining us on Zestful Aging. If you like the podcast, please share it with some of your friends. I love to hear from my listeners. Send me an email at NicoleChristina.com. It's no secret that everyone's feeling pretty restless and unsettled right now. Our lives are upside down and the future is feeling pretty uncertain. But if you're anything like me, organizing my stuff can help me feel a little calmer. It's something I can do to help me feel a little more in control and in charge of my own life. If you think decluttering could help you feel better and you could use a little assistance with that, check out the online course I've developed with professional organizer and designer Carrie Luteran. It's called Too Much Stuff. 
And too much stuff is different from other courses or articles or guidance you may have used up. We give you clear steps to deal with the clutter and the tools to help you face the overwhelming feelings and the emotions that come up when we're going through our clutter. And a lot of those emotions are just feeling anxious or guilty or just basically flooded with a lot of different confusing feelings. The course is really practical. It's realistic. The lessons are short and punchy, and they're really manageable. We're not trying to set you up for some long, exploratory, you know, super in-depth, uh, burdensome experience. We want something really helpful for you right now. We all need help with our anxiety. So, being surrounded by more calm and less chaos can really help. So now's a good time to clear out the clutter so we can focus on what's really important in our lives. So find out more at zestfulaging.com. You'll see more about this under the web courses tab. If you have any questions, just shoot me an email at zestfulaging at gmail.com. Thanks so much. And stay tuned next week for another interview with a fascinating and inspiring guest.